0: Good morning. It is great to see you. As Zachary just prayed, my name is Daniel, one of the pastors here, uh, and it's great to be together. This morning we're finishing up uh, a sermon series that we have been in for the uh, past uh, five weeks in total, uh, looking at our church's identity, a series that we have titled Who We Are and Who is Christ Central. If you've been here, you've heard us say this, we are a community of people called to rest in Christ. As we live for the renewal of all things in the city for the world. We've broke this statement up into five sermons, beginning with we are a community of people, and then we looked at we are called, then we are to rest in Christ. Last week, if you were here, we looked at we live for the renewal of all things, which means this morning we will conclude by looking at in the city for the world. Ten years ago, when we planted this church, our very strong conviction was to be a church whose ministry was lived out from the heart of the city, from the downtown core of the city. And 10 years have passed, and God has graciously established us to be a faithful witness from the heart of Durham. And the really cool and unexpected thing that I don't think we saw coming was how God has allowed the streams of our ministry to flow beyond our city to now reaching Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, Cary, Mebane, Raleigh, all the way to Cape Town, South Africa. Around 20 years ago, urban church planting kind of became all the craze, at least in my ministry and theological circles. Tim Keller being a major influence, as was many others, and uh, talking about the importance of city center churches. And I have to say, Tim Kel- Keller has definitely influenced me in, in general, but also in the sermon this morning. But before I preach on being in the city for the world, I want to say two things. I think the popularity of urban church planting and urban churches has given rise to two things that I think we really need to be aware of. The first is this, the city for a number of people often means the cool and influential parts of the city, not always the whole city. So when we talk about the city, we're talking about the whole city, not just the parts of a city that some might want to deem as cool. The second thing is that the city for a number of people is superior than rural or suburban areas. I really do think there's been a superiority complex developed among many urbanites and even urban pastors to believe cities are better than rural or suburban context. And so as I preach in the city for the world, I I pray that we understand the city to be the whole city, and I pray that we never think that what we're doing here is superior. This is our calling and our identity as Christ Central Church. It is not the mandate for all people in all churches. And so we're going to look at Scripture this morning, three passages that have actually been pretty formational on the life of our church over the past 10 years. Uh, and so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand and you can see these passages in the bulletin. They're also on the screen behind and you can try to follow along in the Bible, but I'm going to be flipping... Uh, Old and New Testament. But I'm going to start with Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is God's word to us this morning. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jeremiah 29 4 to 7. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. So spirit of the living God, would you illumine your word would you be with me, the preacher, that the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you? Would you be with us, the listeners, that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing? And that as we encounter you, you would transform us because we have been with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> well, in the year 1800, can you guess... What percentage of the world's population lived in cities? 3%. In the year 1900, it was 14%. In the year 1950, it was 30%. Today, it's around 56%. And many researchers predict by the year 2050, 70% of the world will live in cities. The whole world is increasingly urbanizing. Cities are getting bigger and more dense every year. The city of Durham is growing rapidly. In 2000, Durham's population was 180,000. Durham, the this, this city is now almost 300,000. Metro Durham is 434,000. About 30 to 40 people are moving to Durham every day. About 5,000 people are moving to the triangle every month. The growth and subsequent change of our city of the past 10 to 15 years has been rapid and all signs point to this continuing into the future. So Christ Central is a community of people called to rest in Christ as we live for the renewal of all things in the city for the world. Acts 1.8, Jesus' last words to his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in the city, into Judea, in Samaria, into the ends of the earth. There is a trajectory to God's mission. It starts here and it spreads out there to beyond, to the very ends of the earth. Christ Central has been called to be witnesses in Durham and into the Triangle, into North America, and to the ends of the earth. So I want to ask three questions this morning. Why does the city matter? How are we to live in the city? And lastly, where does the power to live in the city come from? Let's look first at why does the city matter. I'm going to give you a number of reasons. The first is that the city is where the people are. God's greatest creation is humanity. Humanity bears the image of God, Genesis chapter 1. And humanity bears the brokenness of the fall into sin, Genesis chapter 3. And as Christians, we believe in and through the God-man, Jesus, he restores what Genesis 1 through 2 describes, how the world was created to be. Specifically, Jesus restores humanity's relationship with God, others, self, and the earth. Jesus brings healing and wholeness to humanity. We live in the greatest migration to cities in human history. Cities are filled with what God loves most, people. It's one of the reasons to love the city. And more and more people, as more and more people move into the city, naturally it creates density And because of this density, it brings you into proximity with people who are like you and unlike you. So another reason that the city matters is the city is naturally a place of diversity. This is very true for Durham. You don't have to go out of your way to come in contact with diversity. In fact, I think you have to work really hard to avoid it in our city. I mean, you go to Harris Teeter. You go get a cup of coffee at Coco Cinnamon. You go eat at Mateo. You go do a workout at the YMCA. All places are teeming with a beautiful diversity of people. Last night, I was with a group of people watching the UNC Duke basketball game at Tobacco Road Sports Cafe downtown at Tobacco Road at American Tobacco. And the crowd there was beautifully diverse. And it reminded me as I was there of one of the reasons I love this city. When Paul and Barnabas go to the city of Antioch in Acts chapter 13, and God is establishing and forming the church there, there are different ethnic groups represented. By reaching the city of of Antioch with the gospel, they were reaching different ethnic groups who were then able to spread the gospel to their people. So another reason that the city matters is not just diversity for diversity's sake, but people from all over the world move to cities. And by reaching the city, one can reach the world. I remember hearing a story about a church in Queens, New York, who was seeking to love their city and to love the people in the city. And throughout the years, they planted churches around Queens. And one of the churches they planted was in proximity to a Filipino neighborhood. And the church simply started to love their neighbor. Who were right there next to them. And, and many Filipinos came to faith in Jesus, came to trust Christ. And this church in Queens, by, by loving people right there, decided that they wanted to plant a neighbor church in the Philippines. Because a number of people wanted to leave Queens and move back home and start a church there. This church in Queens, by loving their neighbor and their city, began to reach the world. And as people from all over the world move to Durham and to the Triangle, we, Christ Central, have the opportunity to reach the world. Another reason the city matters is that the city is not just densely diverse ethnically, it's also densely diverse socioeconomically. In the city, there is wealth and poverty side by side. Of course, in cities, there's pockets of wealth and pockets of poverty But there's proximity, they're still close, they're side by side. And and if we're clothed in humility and in love and we open our eyes, we can see that there's great opportunity for all of us to love one another and learn from one another and help each other across socioeconomic lines. That in the city, reciprocal ministry between the wealthy and the poor can happen because of proximity. People who have less resources, have a lot to teach brothers and sisters who have more about what it looks like to depend fully and wholly on Jesus. I have found through living in different socioeconomic neighborhoods that my neighbors with less resources have taught me a lot about how to be a good neighbor. They displayed to me dependence upon others that was convicting and beautiful. I've also learned the importance of valuing the dignity of all people and not judging too quickly. And at the same time, those who God has given more resources can, through listening to the voices of those in need, share their needs, then leverage their resources and networks to help brothers and sisters with what they see they lack. Whether that be housing, employment, health, education. This is a reason to love the city. The last thing I'll say about why the city matters is that the city is the hub of culture. It is the hub of economic growth, creativity and institutions that then influence society and culture. The Apostle Paul, on those great missionary journeys, traveled to cities. I think in large part he knew that if he could reach the city, he could influence the region. That in many ways, as the city goes, so goes the culture. You can go to rural parts of North Carolina and you can love and minister to a lawyer, but in Durham you can reach the law schools of North Carolina Central, Duke, and UNC. In a rural town, you can love and minister to a small business owner, but in the city, you can reach American Underground or Provident 1898. In a rural town, you can love and minister to a teacher, but in the city, you can reach the school board. These are all reasons that the city matters. Again, please hear me. I'm not saying that the city is better. I'm just sharing reasons why the city matters. The second question I want to ask is, how does God call us to live in the city? Jeremiah 29 is, is an important passage, and many have used it to talk about, to talk about urban ministry, and so, but I want to give you some context here in Jeremiah 29. The Israelites have been conquered. They've been taken from their home in Jerusalem by the Babylonians, and they're now living in exile in the city of Babylon, and the Babylonians had a plan for the Israelites, and their plan was to eradicate the spiritual identity of the conquered Israelites. And the way they would do this was to get the Israelites to blend into the culture of Babylon, so much so that they would lose their distinct identity as the people of God. The Babylonians wanted the Israelites to become like Babylonians, culturally and spiritually, so that Israelite children and Israelite grandchildren would no longer have a spiritual identity as God's people. This, this was their plan. And so you can imagine Israelites responding to being in Babylon by saying, well, we're going to remove ourselves from the culture of Babylon. We're going to resist, and we'll create safe enclaves where where we we can just not engage and just kind of ride out our time in this city of Babylon. But the Lord had different plans for how they were to live in the city. Jeremiah 29 verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile. I want to stop there because I think this word exile helps us understand how to live in the city. Exile means resident alien. It is someone who is a citizen of one country, yet a full-time resident in another country. That though they live in a country, their primary allegiance was to another country whose beliefs and practices shaped their living in that foreign country resident aliens lived in the country as full participants of the place but they lived neither as natives nor tur- tourists exiles did not live permanently rooted neither did they live as travelers passing through first peter 1 peter refers to christians as exiles resident aliens living in this world that our citizenship is in heaven with our allegiance to jesus And we are to live in this world as such. And what does that mean for us? It means we don't blend into the culture. And we don't just ride out our time simply resisting the culture. This is not our home and we're not just passing through. Our primary allegiance is to the kingdom of God and the beliefs and practices of Jesus' kingdom shape how we live in the city. God through Jeremiah, he's saying... Unpack your suitcases, unpack your boxes, settle down, live in the city. And again, I can imagine the Israelites going, why do we want to settle down in Babylon? We're, we're going back to Jerusalem. Why do we want to invest in this city of Babylon so that Babylonians can benefit? Let's just ride out exile and do as little as possible until we return to Jerusalem. But God says, build houses, live in them, plant a garden, Take wives, have sons and daughters increase in number. In other words, bloom where you are planted. Bloom where God has planted you. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17 says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to her, and to which God has called them. Listen to me. God has put you right where you are right now. It's not an accident. And you might feel like you're in a very difficult time of life, and maybe you're like, hey, I've got two years left, and then I know I'm moving to another place. God has called you to bloom where he has planted you, specifically to seek the welfare of the city. And this word welfare, it's the Hebrew word shalom, which is often translated as peace. And she used three times here in, our, in Jeremiah 29, 7, seek shalom, find shalom, your shalom. And the word has a much fuller and bigger meaning than what we often think of as peace or tranquility. It it means wholeness, comprehensive flourishing in all areas for all people. So, where there is spiritual, social, and cultural brokenness, we are to seek renewal and flourishing in all of those areas, which means we need to know our city if we want to understand its brokenness so that we can pursue its wholeness. We need to know its history, its present, its plans for the future. I I think cities, because of history and present and planning, almost kind of take on a personality. If you think about it, cities actually can can be known for certain things. Washington, D.C., it's known for power. Paris, it's known for romance or love. Las Vegas, pleasure. I texted a few friends this week and I said, hey, when you think of Durham, what what one word comes to your mind to, to kind of describe this city? And everybody kind of shared, and some of the words shared were grit, eclectic, progress, welcome, inclusion. If we're to live as exiles, not blending into the culture and not simply running away and resisting culture, rather being faithful witnesses in the culture, We need to, as theologian Karl Barth said, have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. We need to read the scriptures and the Herald Sun and News Observer so that we can know how to apply God's truth to the culture of our time and our place. Paul in Athens is a great example of this in Acts chapter 17. Paul walks around observing his city and he he sees the idols of Athens and the altars built to the unknown gods and through his observation and his understanding of the city was then able to articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ in a contextualized way to that place. So let me ask us a few questions. Do we know, do you know the cultural narratives driving our city? Could you articulate the idols of your place? Do our lives and our words reflect a better narrative that is only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we allow our allegiance to Christ and to his kingdom to shape and mold how we engage and serve the city? In many ways, the followers of Jesus are a city within a city. We're a counter city. The church is a city on a hill, Matthew five sixteen, who live differently than this world. Our ethics are different. Our view of sex, our view of money, our view of power, our view of loving neighbor are different. And we let the ethic of the kingdom of God shape us and we unpack our bags and we settle down, we buy houses and we stay here for a long time and we increase in number both by having children and by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing those who've never believed come to believe. We get involved in education. We use our vocations for kingdom purposes. We love our neighbors. We seek justice and mercy for those who are oppressed. We invest through actions for the flourishing of the whole city, all its people, and all its places. We care about the 19-year-old college student who is overwhelmed by campus life. We care about the 28-year-old person who's filled with fear about their job. We care about the single person who's afraid they're never going to get married. We care about the 45-year-old mom or dad filled with anxiety about how their children will grow up. We care about the 60-year-old homeless person we see at the corner of Mangum and Jackie Robinson. We care about all people in all places. And lastly but not least, Jeremiah 29 verse 7 tells us that we must get on our knees and we must contend for God to work in all places and all people. We must pray. And as we pray, we ask that God would bring the shalom, the welfare of Durham. For in the welfare of the city, we find our welfare. The last thing that I'll ask this third question is, well, how do we get the power? Where does the power to live in the city come from? Because living as a faithful exile is really hard. And I'm not like a doomsday person. In the I just, I think increasingly it's going to become even harder for us to live faithfully in our, in our time and society. And so what we need is the Spirit of God to dwell within us and to draw us into communion with Christ who then empowers us to live as Christ would live. And as we look at the life of Christ, one of the two places in the Bible where Jesus weeps It's Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. And the other place he weeps is at the death of his friend Lazarus. That the plight of the city moved Jesus as much as the death of a friend. So much so that Jesus would then willingly lay down his life in death on a cross. Not in the city, but outside the city. And he would take on peacelessness curse, wrath, so that we could receive shalom. Jesus dies to bring a city to earth as it is in heaven, a new city, a new Jerusalem. Jesus is the faithful exile who has secured for us our future city that Revelation 22 gives a description of. The river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the city. On either side of the river, the tree of life with 12 kinds of fruit, the leaves of the trees, healing for the nations, for the whole world. And there will be no more curse and no more darkness and God will be light and we will reign with Jesus forever and ever. And God's blessing and shalom will fill the earth. Communion with Jesus by the Spirit and knowing that we are headed toward our future city gives us power to live in our current city. We are Christians, citizens of heaven. Not one day we'll be citizens of heaven. We right now are citizens of heaven. And so we live in our city, seeing both the brokenness and the beauty, neither overly optimistic or pessimistic. This is not our home, so we don't blend in. We live as exiles longing for the new city. We don't simply resist the city. We seek the welfare of the city. The shalom of God in all people, for all people in all places. We go to bat for education, for art, for nonprofits, medicine, wealthy, poor, single, married, young, old, and we pray for our city. We get on our knees and we ask God to move and then our prayers move us to action so that we serve our city in word and deed. For God has called us to live in the city for the world. Let's pray. Lord God, would you draw us to yourself, Jesus? Fill us with the spirit of the risen Christ that we might be empowered to live faithfully in this world. So in your name we pray. Amen.